This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Ryan Reynolds in the house yesterday in Ottawa, by the way. Standing ovation, round of applause, wants in on the Ottawa sale in some way, shape, or form. Let's begin today's uh, discussion with Elliot Friedman on his walk uh, with Ryan Reynolds. Elliot with us from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada. Hello, Fridge. Good morning, Jeff. Uh, uh, I can't imagine that was a coincidence. <laughs> when you saw that, what goes through your mind right away? Because I'm with you. You know, the the night before, he's on late night television. You know, talking about buying the Ottawa Senators or buying a, a, a U.S. Senator. Ha ha ha! And the next night, he's in Ottawa, very much finding a camera position. Your thoughts on Ryan Reynolds in the audience yesterday in Ottawa? Well, I mean, it was it was a really fun thing to see. Um, you know, it it's. I think for the fans, it's like it's like this is supposed to be the entertainment business, um, mm-hmm. you know, and and this is entertaining. Uh, and I, I think at the end of the day, like that's what this is all about. I, I like the, as you said, the clip from Jimmy Fallon got a lot of attention, and deservedly so. Was even more confirmation of what he's thinking. The, the fact he was at that game last night got big play, and, and deservedly so. He's got the Senators fans excited. Um, he's got the NHL in the news in a positive way. Um, and, uh, like, it was funny. I was watching some of the post-game clips from last night, and, you know, here the Senators are, and they're struggling, and another game without a point. And the only time they were smiling was kind of, like, talking about that. So... I guess in everything that you hope for, that was a, a grand slam home run. And you know what? I got to think. Uh, I got to think too. I got to think too, Jeff. That they are going to look at ways to say, um, you know, how can he buy in, and what would it take? Like I've done a little bit of work on that. Um, like I, I think, you know, Seattle has Marshawn Lynch there, and they have Mclemore in there. Yep. And I think, and I yep. think you need a few million to be a part of it. And and as he said, that he's he's got that, and the sugar mommy or sugar daddy can do the rest. <laughs> just pull some of that money off the tree in the backyard, Ryan. You'll just be fine uh, being one of the owners of the Ottawa Senators. I want to pause on Ottawa, and they have lost six in a row, and a lot of the questions are now revolving around what's next and attention over to Pierre Dorian, their general manager. Uh, but before we got on the air, uh, the Hockey Diversity Alliance releasing a statement uh, from Isaiah Mayor Crothers, uh, that is the victim in the um, Mitchell Miller uh, situation in the Mitchell, Mitchell Miller case. Um, you've retweeted it. I've retweeted it. It is all over um, the internet. Uh, it's his statement. I won't read the entire thing, but he recounts some of the horrors that he went through uh, at the hands of Miller and concludes by saying, Mitchell isn't my friend. It hurts my heart what he did to me. So I just wanted to tell everyone when Mitchell says we're friends, it isn't true. I can't take more of this. That's the closing couple of sentences in Isaiah's statement today. Your thoughts? I mean, it's brutal to read. Like, there's there's really... I mean, look, like, he's the victim here, and it's just brutal to read, and, um, you know, I like I, I don't really... There, there's not much else to say about that. It's, it, it's brutal to read. Like, I, I said to you yesterday, when you're in the public... 
you get kind of used to this sometimes that there's going to be times where you're in the middle of the storm. And I, I think when you're in the public, you have some degree of being used to it and how to handle it when you're not in the public, like Isaiah is, it's really hard to handle, especially the first time. So, and, and this is actually the second time and none of it's his fault. Right. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's, I, I really feel for him. I do. I, it's, it's a terrible, terrible thing when you don't want this and you can feel his pain. I, 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 after him, my, my next concern is like, Jeff, this story, it started last Friday and you know, we talked yesterday about how everything should have come out right at the beginning. The, the press conference should not have been about Mitchell Miller deserves a second chance. It should have been about why people should think that Mitchell Miller deserves a second chance. And that didn't happen. And as a result now, everything is dribbling out. No matter what you believe, and again, I think everybody wants to be supportive of the victim here. More and more information keeps dribbling out as people try to protect themselves and each other. And it doesn't all add up. Not everybody here can be telling the truth, but you have to protect Isaiah. That has to be the number one thing here. But I'm just, what I'm concerned about is, like, is this going anywhere else? You know, like every time a statement comes out or information comes out or an interview comes out, you, you hope it's the end, right? Because the kid's obviously in a lot of pain. I just, I don't know. I, I just wish this would end. I wish this would end with this statement and he could have some peace and try to get away from this. I don't know. I, uh, like, I just, I just wish this would stop. But it, information keeps dribbling out, and I, I, I don't like that. Uh, with you, I hope that this is the closure of it. Uh, I do wonder uh, if Mitchell Miller's agent, who most recently spoke on Andy Strickland, Cam Jansen's podcast um, the other day, if there's something back from that camp because that statement flies in the face of a lot of what Eustace King was saying uh, with Andy Strickland a couple of days ago on that podcast. Uh, we shall see. The one thing I do hope is I just hope it doesn't get uglier. And But it seems as if every step of the way it already has. Uh, and now, to your point, unfortunately, Isaiah has to relive this and see this. And um, as he mentions... Um, endure more insults and more harassment because of yep. it. So I hope for his sake that this is done. Um, I just don't have any faith uh, or belief, really, for that matter, that this is it. I hope it is, but just yep. seeing how this story has gone so far, Elliot, I'm not... I, I, I can't say that I believe, even though it should be, I can't yeah. believe that this is the end of this situation. Yeah, like, okay, uh, that, so that is... that's the thing. That's the thing, Jeff. That really concerns is this needs to end, and I just hope it does. 
Okay, uh, hard pivots. Uh, from there, back to Ottawa. The Senators lose to the Vancouver Canucks last night, 7-4. to four. Uh, We've talked plenty about Vancouver. I played the Bruce Boudreau clip where he defends the goaltender, essentially saying, you know, I'm not going to apologize for having a good goaltender to part of our team. Were we outplayed in the first couple of periods? Yes, we were. But, again, the goalie is part of your team. We'll take the two points. Thank you very much. We'll play again tonight. Um, the Josh Norris injury really hurts the Ottawa Senators. And we yeah. knew that right away. But I don't know that we looked at that and said, okay, now, you know, this is going to be a team that's going to go on to lose six games in a row and call into question, you know, the future, both this season and, and, and subsequent, of the Ottawa Senators. How do you see them right now after last night's loss? I mean, that's – first of all, I think the Vancouver Canucks players deserve a lot of credit because they played for Bruce, Bruce Boudreaux last night. Um, you, you know, you take a look – you take a look at some of the situations this year. New Jersey, 0-2, fans, fire rough. Devils played for him. Mm-hmm. Leafs have that disastrous California road trip. It, like the, the rumors are everywhere. Those guys have played hard for Sheldon Keefe. Um, last night, and I'm, there's other examples, um, but mm-hmm. last night, the Vancouver Canucks, they played for Bruce Boudreau because you saw, you heard the interview the night before, you saw the quotes the next day um, from Boudreau and some of the players. They could have folded, and they gave up a goal early, and, and they found a way. And your captain, who is, you know, uh, who who's just should have, like, the cash register sign every time he scores – you know, he scores again twice and, and leads the way. I mean, I think the Canucks players deserve a lot of credit. They have, they have had every excuse, especially last night, to fold up and blow that game, and they didn't. Um, you know, as for Ottawa, uh, you know, they've got some questions in the, on defense. There's, there's no doubt about it. I have also no doubt that Pierre Dorian is – doing what he can to see if he can add to the blue line. But it's an old line of mine. When you're in this situation, they don't throw you life preservers. They throw you anvils. And if he's making a deal right now, he's not making it from a position of strength. You know, it's interesting, Jeff. I asked somebody about the underlying numbers, and they said Ottawa's, like, one of the stats this team uses, you know, if you take a look at it, Ottawa's goal differential is minus two. And if, if you have a minus two goal differential, I think they've played 12 games, your record should be a lot better than it is. Yeah. But it's easy to, when you're losing, it's easy to quote the numbers if they're good. This is a results-based business. And, you know, you can see it. Uh, they're, they're, they've got some holes on the blue line, and those are catching up to them. You know, we know who Pierre Dorian does not want to let go of in any trade. I think one of the questions we have is, you know, how much of a, you know, how much of a, a of a whopper does Dorian have to pull off here to seriously help that blue line? I think we wonder about Jacob Chikrin. Uh We know that, you know, they they don't want to entertain anything, you know, Ridley Gregg or Shane Pinto or Jake Sanderson or or anything like that. But if they want to do like some significant work on that back end, 
now with Norris out, six games, uh, you know, you lose six games in a row. This was supposed to be a season where they took that next step. Instead, they find themselves, you know, climbing down the ladder, not up. I don't know. I, I, I don't get the sense that, that Dorian wants to do anything behind the bench. Uh, but I do get the sense that, you know, we all know Pierre Dorian. He'll be working the phones to try to make a trade. Yeah. We talked about sacred cows yesterday with Vancouver. Uh, do you think he still has the same mindset of who's sacred or not with this Ottawa team who's now trending downwards? You know, I, I, I don't think you ever lose an idea of who a sacred cow is, Jeff, but I think sometimes the reality changes for you. Um, like, mm-hmm. And also, too, like, for example, what we talked a long time ago that Arizona liked Pinto, and Ottawa said, we're not doing that. And I still wouldn't trade, like, I wouldn't trade him now. Like, the problem with, with, with Chikrin is that he can't get healthy. You know, you've got to know he's coming back to play, and you can get him in your lineup and, and, and things like that. I, I just think that, like, I, I, like, these are the scariest situations. Because you're sitting there and you're saying, my goodness, we need help. We need help. I don't want to do that. I always think about now. These are old references. I heard your your thing today with Bergeron, uh, where, you, where your introduction for the podcast. You talked about old hip references. Well, well, here's two for you. In, in, in Major League Baseball, Larry Anderson for Jeff Bagwell, and Doyle Alexander for John Smoltz. Got to be careful that you're not making that trade, short-term gain. And then some real long-term pain. And I, I always think about those kinds of deals at this time. I think what I have to do is I have to find some updated trades so I don't have to refer to deals from 1987 and 1990. But uh, I, have, I have to do some research. <laughs> uh, you've lived through the recent trades. You've broken many of them, Elliot. These should be rolling off your top. Oh, one thing I did want to mention with the Ottawa Senators. Um because I know you cover this team extensively and you've talked and we've discussed here and on the podcast a lot about players like Daniel Alfredson. Uh, we sat down last week and talked to Marion Hosa. That's coming up on, a, on an upcoming podcast of ours. Chris Neal, number 25 to be retired on February the 27th. Number 25 goes to the Rafters. It is very seldom that you see a tough hockey player, albeit as loved as Neal was, um, it's very rare that you see tough hockey players make their make their make their jerseys uh, up to the rafters of a rink. I mean, St. Louis had the Plager brothers and Bob Gasoff. That was after Gasoff, of course, was in that um, lost his life in the motorcycle accident. But still, it's very rare, if at all, you see someone like Chris Neal get his number retired. Do you have a sense of why Chris Neal? Well, he was incredibly charitably involved in the market, and people, you know, they really loved him. Like, you know, someone said when the, when the information went out last night that, that Chris Neal was getting his number retired, like I had a couple people say to me, Chris Neal? Like, really, Chris Neal? And my response to that is the only people the Ottawa Sanders have to justify that to are their fans. Like, the only people that should matter to are the Sanders fans. Do the Sanders fans want Chris Neal's number retired? Judging by the reaction last night, the answer was yes. Yes, 100%, they absolutely do. And 
that's all that should matter. That's all the senators should care about. And, you know, I, like I think this, I think you should reward uh, people in your organization who are not only great players who perform well on the ice, but also great people. And uh, Chris Neal, by all accounts, from when he played for that organization, was a great person who never said no to any um, charitable endeavors, things like that. And I think you should reward that. Um, you know, I think the other thing, too, is that uh, I love the way they introduced it. They, they kind of um, took the idea from the Lions. Uh, so the Lions did that with uh, a linebacker, Chris Spielman, last year. And obviously the Sanders saw the idea. And I think it's you who says there's no good ideas stolen. They're only borrowed. That was a great idea to borrow. No. Great, great, greatness borrows, but genius steals. That's what I always. I say. knew, I knew you borrows, said it in the smartest steals. way. I knew you said it in a smarter way. <laughs> um, okay, so that's the Chris Neal and the Ottawa Senators situation. Uh, the Maple Leafs lose to the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, a game that was owned early by Vegas, and then somewhere in the second, the Maple Leafs took this thing over. But then it was Riley Smith at the end who really took this thing over. Shorthanded goal and overtime winner. And I know you were thinking when Riley Smith called scored that um, uh, scored that shorthanded goal that the players should come out of the box, uh, but that's for another discussion. Your thoughts on what we saw yesterday? Vegas and Toronto. Riley Smith, the star. Well, I, I thought it was a great game. First of all, I, like the, you know the I, I think if you're Toronto, the best thing that you saw in that game was Mitch Marner really looked like Mitch Marner. I, I think yeah. you. Uh, I, I think that you want to see the solid kinds of plays that NHLers need to make. But when Marner is, is really going, he's not just making solid plays, he's making spectacular plays. And uh, I, I just think that he was doing both for a chunk last night, and it was, it was huge for Toronto to see. I, I think, you know, if, if you go back to it, you know, they've played against Boston the way they need to play to win. That was a real gut check win in Carolina. They had every excuse to lose that game. And even last night, I thought they played pretty hard. The, 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 I'm still waiting for Matthews to get going. And I, I think if you're Toronto and you've kind of pulled yourself out of the morass and we're still waiting for Matthews to beat his absolute best, um, I think that's a good sign for you. But, you know, Vegas is going really well right now. Um, I, like, I, like, I thought that was just a great hockey game. I thought both those two teams were wired to play it. Um, you know, we, we did an interview with uh, Kelly McCrimmon yesterday for the pod that's going to go out in a little bit. And, yep. you know, you asked him what he thought was a, was a great question about trading to use cap space. And he talked about the moves yep. they made allowed them to keep Riley Smith. And they really wanted to keep him. He was a guy that they absolutely wanted to keep for a lot of different reasons, both on and off the ice. And we saw an example about that yesterday. It's going to be interesting to see what this team does in goal, too. You know, Thompson won again. Hill's been pretty good. Rassois close to coming back. And, and you know, Thompson is the, is, is not... It doesn't need waivers, right? And that's always a real tough one, Jeff, because I think play, uh, you have to put your best team out there. And he kind of talked about that. It's 
But the, the Golden Knights, when it comes to the things they've had to do with their roster over the last couple of years, uh, very few people have had to juggle like they have. So they're kind of used to this. But the thing is, and this is what we talked to Kelly about yesterday, McCrimmon, is that he does understand that quote-unquote giving players away really isn't getting nothing in return because you are getting cap space in return. And I think the the managers that are successful understand that cap space is a valuable commodity, sometimes just as valuable as, as getting a player. Like we talked about the Max Pacioretty um, trade with, uh, with the Carolina Hurricanes with, uh, with McCrimmon. And he said, oh, well, you know, Vegas gave him away. They didn't get anything. Well, no, that's not true. They did get something. They got cap space. I think the, the managers that have that understanding of what cap space means tend to do better than others that don't and just want to win a you know pre-2005, pre-salary capped era trade where you have to get the best player in the deal or you didn't win the deal. Sometimes you win by getting cap space, Elliot, and I think Vegas has done a good job of that. Yeah, I, I, like, um, again, the way he explained it, you got to keep Riley Smith that way. And last night, it justified the decision. Okay, last thing here. Uh, St. Louis Blues, Philadelphia Flyers yesterday. You know, we've talked about the, uh, the St. Louis Blues not having an identity oh. or having a different identity now, and they're sort of going through a different sort of phase of whatever the St. Louis Blues team is, and it's not going well at all. Yesterday, they lose to the Flyers. They get beat bad by the Flyers. Um, Blues have now lost eight games in a row. But one thing that I don't think was lost on anybody, uh, as much as we talk about, you know, tough St. Louis Blues teams and tough St. Louis Blues players, Braden Shen starts one with Nick Sealer yesterday. Didn't end well for Shen, but there's one mm-hmm. guy that's trying to say, hold on a second here. This is still who we are as, as St. Louis Blues and St. Louis Blues players. Uh, we mentioned yesterday about the need for a, a, a stronger identity on this team. You know, you mm-hmm. brought up the possibility of a Nick Ritchie deal uh, that could be out there. Uh, I mean, I don't know how much longer, if you're Doug Armstrong, you can continue to let this go. It's eight games in a row now, getting beaten by teams like the Philadelphia Flyers. It's uncomfortable right now in that organization, Elliot. Oh, it, it sure would be. Um, you know, it, it's amazing. You think about they went into that, they went into Edmonton on the Saturday afternoon, like a month ago, and they shut them out. We were like, the Blues are back. Yeah, you know, they're 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 back, and and now now look where they Not are. Since. Um, uh, you know, I like I think that. Uh, I, I think it. I think it's amazing. I, you know, like I never would have like every team has losing streaks, and I never would have imagined that St. Louis would go through this because I just thought they were too structured and too good in what they do to to, to do this. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm absolutely amazed by it. And uh, but the thing is, I, I just don't know where Armstrong starts. You know, we he's talked. You know, we've talked about how in 2019 he could have blown up that team, and they won the Stanley Cup. Like I don't see that here right now, but I could see him doing something with his defense. And you mentioned the the Richie thing. Like that's the one thing here. Like I like Doug Armstrong is not a guy to let this sit. He is absolutely not a person to let this sit. And for. Like I think everybody's kind of looking at it here and saying, "All right, um, what's he going to do?" And and I think probably even some people on the team are probably thinking that. 
We shall see. Uh, okay, on that, we'll let you go. Thanks. Enjoy the rest of your walk, Elliot, and we'll catch up with you tomorrow. All right. Take care, man. There he is, Elliot Friedman from 32,000 Hockey Night in Canada.